My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Uh, what we're doing this night tonight is uh, continuing in a message series from the book of Acts. Uh, last week we heard from, heard from Pastor James from Acts chapter 13. And the mission is going with, uh, from started with Jerusalem. It's going out to the outskirts of Jerusalem, to Judea. And then now it is reaching to the Gentile land. So let me read from the scripture portion for this evening. Acts chapter 12, actually, sorry, Acts chapter 13, verses 26 through 31 and 38 through 39. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him. And in doing this, they fulfilled the prophets' words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecies said about him... That took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Let me pray and ask God for help. Please pray with me. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. You're a true God. You are the true God, the eternal God, and the living God. I pray that this evening your word would be firmly planted in our hearts That we would have eyes to see, hearts would be softened, and we would do what you have called us to do, to grow, to serve, and to lead those who are far from you. And if there's anyone here who does not know you, we pray that you would draw them near through your Holy Spirit, and that that they would see Jesus Christ crucified and risen again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard someone say, I have already made up my mind 
Don't convince me with the truth. Uh, there are people who hear the truth over and over and over again. And sadly, the truth is far from them. It has not gone into their hearts. It has not touched them. A few weeks ago, I was at an appointment for my haircut. And now if you're not laughing, people in the morning were laughing. They looked at me, why does he need a haircut? Well, for those of us who have this uh, receding hairline, or actually, let me correct that. A friend told me that I was not receding anymore. I had receded hairline. So those of us who are in this category, we still need a haircut now and then. But you know what? As I went to this appointment for my haircut, what was a, an appointment turned out to be a witnessing opportunity for Jesus Christ. So as I sat in that chair, and I, I, had a con- I was having a conversation with the barber, uh, the man asked me a question. He said, what are your goals for this year? So I responded to him and said, I have been reading through the Bible for a few years now. And this year, particularly, I am reading the Bible along with my wife. And this man appreciated what we were doing. And so a few minutes later, after this conversation, I turned to him and asked him the question, Have you ever read the Bible? And he said uh, he had read the Bible once, but stopped reading the Bible. And I asked him why. And he responded and said, Well, I stopped reading the Bible because... The Bible disapproved of his sinful lifestyle. He shared with me that he was seeing a boyfriend and he did not want to change his lifestyle. You see, the Bible, the truths of the Bible have not changed. But ignoring the truths of the Bible or rejecting or refusing or even changing the truth of the Bible does not make the truth any less true. And by the time we were finished with my appointment, I was able to share my testimony about how I had become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I said, we are all sinners in the sight of God. And there's no one perfect except Jesus Christ alone. And if you look in the world today, there are so many worldviews about who Jesus Christ is. Is Some people say he was a good man, he was a prophet, he was a leader, he was a savior, he was a healer, and so on. And all of these are true. But what about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you see that, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an indispensable truth in the message of salvation? A few weeks ago, Pastor Taylor preached a message about the Apostle Paul, who was once resisting the truth of resurrection. Paul was someone who not only challenged the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he went a step further. Paul became violent and hateful. So what did Paul do? He had this one mission in mind. He wanted to round up as many men and women who were followers of Jesus Christ, drag them, and put them into prison. Paul 
had this raging fury in him for anyone against anyone who had believed in the risen Christ. Why? Well, Paul believed his opinion was right. It was not true. It was not the truth. So you see, in Paul's worldview, all those who believed in Jesus' death and resurrection, they deserved to be punished. And therefore, his actions. Paul believed that those followers of Jesus Christ were blasphemers. But one day, everything changed. What happened to Paul? As we heard from Pastor Taylor's message, Paul saw the risen Christ. And Paul made a complete U-turn. Paul was going on one way, trying to get legal papers to persecute Christians. And when he met Christ, he turned all the way. He made a complete U-turn. Paul confessed that he had acted out in ignorance and unbelief. And his change was so monumental that he wrote to the Corinthian believers in his day. And this is what he said. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sin. Great change in Paul. God changed him. So Paul left his old ways of violence. And God gave him a new mission. Paul's new campaign was to proclaim the risen Christ to Gentiles, to kings, and the children of Israel. So we're in Acts chapter 13 as we are continuing in the message series from the book of Acts. And here in the book of Acts, as we will see, Antioch, the church in Antioch, becomes the missionary sending church. So as we see in this map here, Paul and Barnabas are at Antioch. They anoint or they send Paul and Barnabas as the first two missionaries out of this church. Now, a little note, little fact about Barnabas. Barnabas is a native of this island, Cyprus. So Paul and Barnabas take a journey into Cyprus. They stay there, and both of them witness to a high-ranking official in Cyprus. And he is the governor of the region, Sergius Paulus. He becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And after that, they keep on journeying up here. And from Antioch, they go all the way up to another Antioch in Pisidia or Galatia, present-day Turkey. And in this city, Paul and Barnabas visit a synagogue in the Jewish place of worship uh, for the Jewish people there. And in that synagogue, Paul and Barnabas are given an opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, let me just share what happens in a first synagogue, first century synagogue service. Uh, Number one, it has a recitation of the Shema, and it has prayers or blessings, a reading from the law, a reading from one of the prophets. And then someone from the congregation, a Jew, a competent Jew, is invited to address the gathering. And then the service closes with a benediction. So as Paul and Barnabas are in the synagogue, When the time comes to invite a Jew to address the gathering, Paul and Barnabas are invited to give a speech. So Paul gives a speech to the people who are gathered there. There are two two groups of people, the Jewish people and the God-fearing Gentiles. So if you want to look at the whole text of Paul's speech, verses 16 through 41 will give you the whole text. But the heart of his message is really from verses 26 through 31. Let's look at verses 26 again. 
26 to 20, 29. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. Well, what is Paul saying here? Paul is addressing the, the crowd, the gathering, and saying that this message of salvation has been received by them. It came to him and the others, the other people who are the followers of Jesus Christ, Peter, James, John, and the twelve. But what Paul is saying is also that the leaders in Jerusalem and the people in Jerusalem did not receive the message. Now, why did they not receive the message of salvation? Paul gives a reason. Paul says that the leaders and people in Jerusalem were ignorant. You see, Jesus, when he started his ministry, he was doing his ministry in public. He healed people. He went town to town to preach the gospel message. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. Everyone saw him in public, not the leaders and not the people in Jerusalem. They did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The Old Testament prophets talked about a Messiah who would come. But the leaders did not see him. However, they did not stop there. In their ignorance, they condemned Jesus. And they found him innocent. So they went to Pilate and crucified him. And not only did they crucify him, they wanted to make sure he was dead. So what did they do to Jesus? They took his body down from the cross and they put him, they buried him and put him in a tomb. Do you know what they missed? They were actually fulfilling the plan of God. This was all according to God's plan. This was according to scripture. Now if you think that the death of Jesus, the, the, the burial of Jesus was according to God's plan. What Paul is now going to say is even more astounding for a first century Jew. Let's look at verses 30 through 31. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. Friends, this is the message of salvation. The people and leaders in Jerusalem were ignorant about who Jesus was. And in their ignorance, they condemned Jesus. They crucified Jesus. They killed Jesus. And they took the body and they buried Jesus. And they put him in a tomb. They even sought after Roman soldiers to guard the tomb. But... God raised him from the dead. This is the message of salvation. Not for Jews only, but for all the people. Remember I said there were two categories of people. Jewish people and Gentiles. In Paul's view, there are only two categories of people. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And it, it doesn't matter what nationality, what ethnicity, what skin color, what background you're from. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And this is God's view as well. God sent this message to the fathers, the Jewish fathers. And it came to them. It came to Jerusalem. And now it is going out to Gentile land, to us. And 2,000 years, years later, it has come to us. This is the message of salvation. 
Tim Keller, pastor up in New York, says this. He says, hearing about Jesus rising from the dead, this news would have been outrageous for the Jews to hear. Did you know that the Romans believed that gods could become men? One of the Roman emperors, Julius, not Julius Caesar, but Caesar Augustus was worshipped as a god, but not the Jews. The idea that God could become incarnate as a human being was blasphemy to them. Even Paul was ignorant once. However, if you notice, Paul does not just say that Jesus rose from the dead. He doesn't stop there. He offers them proof of the risen Christ. Verse 31, Paul is saying that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people after the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, he offers even a little more detail. He says there are more than 500 people. And Paul actually uses the word raised or resurrection at least 15 times. What is Paul trying to do? He wants to make sure that his audience does not miss the truth of the resurrection. In Hinduism, the religion of my native country, incarnation is not a new doctrine. Many people believe even today that some of their religious gurus or leaders are incarnations of their gods and deities. And I find this very hard to believe. Here's why. No one has seen the God or deity they are incarnating. But you see here Paul is offering them proof. He's saying that there are 500, more than 500 people at, in his time who are still alive. That they could go and talk to them because they had seen Jesus die and rise again from the dead. They could go and talk and verify if the account of resurrection was true. However, the message of salvation is more than just offering proof. If you recall the Gospels, the Gospel of John chapter 20, Jesus has resurrected, he's raised from the dead, and he now appears to about a few of his disciples, his early disciples. And when he appears to his disciples... There's one man among that group. He was not present in that group. And that man's name is Thomas. So the other disciples go and tell Thomas, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But you know what, what Thomas says, replies to him? He says, I don't believe it. Thomas wants proof. And this is what Thomas says to his fellow disciples. He says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my wound in his side. He wants proof. And you know what happens eight days later? Jesus appears to Thomas and Jesus tells Thomas, put your finger here, Thomas, and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. You know how... Thomas replies to Jesus. He's convicted of his unbelief. He, say, he looks at Jesus and says, My Lord and my God. Thomas rightly calls Jesus his Lord and God. 
He is your Lord and your God, my God and my Lord. But Jesus is not done with Thomas yet. He receives a little upbraiding. You know, Jesus can give you and I a thousand proofs. He is God. He can do that anytime. He has the power and ability to do that anytime. But Jesus puts a lot into believing, into belief, into faith. So here's what Jesus tells Thomas. Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Let me summarize what we just saw. The resurrection of Jesus was foretold. So observation number one, this was according to scripture. Psalm 16 verse 10, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. This was the promise. This was the foretelling of scripture that someone would come, a Messiah would come and he would not be dead. This was foretelling, foretold. Scripture, the resurrection of Jesus was foretold. Second observation, the resurrection of Jesus was a fact. Jesus, the risen Christ, was seen by more than 500 believers at one time. This was a fact. Observation number three, the resurrection of Jesus was fulfillment of Scripture. Jesus, when he was raised again from the dead, he told his disciples that everything that was written about him in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms has been fulfilled in him. But do you know this is also your fulfillment if you're a believer in Jesus Christ? This will be your fulfillment as well. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear the payoff for sin. Because because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have hope. Paul says, it's not just in this life that we have hope. We have hope in the life to come also. And many times when we lose our loved ones, that if they're followers of Jesus Christ, we don't have to grieve because they have hope too. We do not grieve as much as though we don't have hope. We have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one day, you and I will get a new body. No more aches, no more joint pains, no more back aches, no more surgeries, new bodies, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. Do you not want that brand new body just like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ? That is your hope. That is my hope. Every gospel presentation in the book of Acts has two elements. Jesus Christ died, and we know that he died because he was buried. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and we know he was raised from the dead because he was seen by others. And both these heavens, events, events happened according to Scripture. Now, have you heard the message of salvation? Now, what are its implications? What does it mean? Verses 38 through 39. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Friends, our greatest need is 
the forgiveness of our sins. That is our greatest need. You know, a couple of weeks ago, two dear ladies from Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on our front door. And we had a conversation and these dear ladies kept insisting that Jesus was not God. And I had an opportunity to share the gospel or share a gospel story. And I asked them, could I share a story from the gospel of Mark? So I brought my Bible and I opened the Bible and I shared from Mark chapter 2. And you see the story about uh, a man who was paralyzed and that who wanted to be healed by Jesus Christ. And he was brought to the place where Jesus was teaching. And there was no room in that a large room perhaps and he was lowered by his four friends do you know what jesus said the first thing that jesus said to the paralyzed man he looks at this paralyzed man and, and tells him my child your sins are forgiven and you know there are so many religious leaders and jews in that room and these guys are so offended by what jesus said and they start murmuring in their hearts And they say this in their hearts. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Yes, Jesus alone. Jesus is able to forgive sins. So I shared with these two dear ladies that Jesus can forgive sins. He is God incarnate in human flesh. The ladies had no response. And they have not knocked on my door since. Verse 39, Paul says, everyone who believes in Jesus is made right in God's sight. Only the forgiven person is made right in God's sight. Not by good works, not by keeping of the law, because the law only exposes what is wrong with us. It can never forgive sin. And God alone has the power. Jesus alone has the power to forgive your sins and mine. You know, the religion of Islam says you have to do good works. The religion of Hinduism says you have to do a a pilgrimage. Perhaps go on this lifelong pilgrimage for the washing of your sins. And you have to go into this endless cycle of, you know, trying to get rid of your sin. Buddhism says you have to follow this five-path peace plan to attain nirvana. Judaism says the same thing. Do good works. Catholicism says you have to spend... A lot of time in penance so you don't have to spend time in purgatory. Some form of good works. Only the Christian faith gives the salvation. You can't earn it, but you receive it by believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, this resurrection power lives in you. This resurrection power sustains you and it will give life to you when you are ready to meet your God. One day we will be in God's presence if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Not because of what you did, because of what Jesus did. We have this living hope. Paul said, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living 
within you. I have a question. So if God's spirit lives within you, what stops you from being a witness for Jesus Christ? What stops you? Fear, embarrassment? God's power lives within you. The Bible promises that he will with, be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Perhaps you need to get an appointment for a haircut or a mani or pedi. And you, if you have never experienced this resurrection power of Jesus Christ, today is your day. Tonight is your night. I'm going to read us, share with us an article I read from a pastor who had been visiting a, 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 a man in a, who was in prison for the past 25 years. And this man uh, who is in prison, his name is David Berkowitz. Uh, Berkowitz grew up in a Jewish family and they followed Jewish traditions and they were not particularly religious. But in the year 1978, Berkowitz was sentenced to 300 years in prison for murder. In about 10 years into his sentence, a fellow prisoner, an inmate, urged him to read the book of Psalms in the Bible. So Berkowitz resonated with the anguish and depression of the psalmist. And one night he was reading the book of Psalms, Psalms and he particularly was reading Psalm 34, And this is what it said in verse 6. The poor man, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And when he read this verse, Berkowitz began to cry. He turned off his cell light so other inmates could not see him. And this man prayed this prayer. And I quote, I got down by my bunk. Like a little kid in the dark, I said, Jesus, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you have any interest in me. I don't know if you hate me or what. But I just want you to know how sorry I am for the things I have done wrong. How I hurt people. How I hurt my family. And I just cried and cried. And as this pastor writes, this man found forgiveness that night. Now he is serving time and still serving time in prison and he probably will for the rest of his life. But this pastor writes that when he met him, this man in prison found forgiveness with God. He is he's still so thankful that God has had mercy upon him. How wonderful. Well, you see, no one is beyond God's reach. No one is beyond the forgiveness and mercy that Jesus alone offers. The Bible says that God does not wish that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So friend, I do not know what kind of prison you're in, in a prison of believing in lies or half-truths. Whatever your prison might be, the good news is Jesus came to set the captives free. He wants to set you free if you have never believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may have heard the the truth week after week. You have heard the facts. You have seen the evidence that God's word is true. And perhaps you have resisted the truth of God's word. You have ignored it. 
perhaps even you have changed it according to your your own sinful choices and preferences you don't have to do that anymore you don't have to live a life believing lies and half truths god wants to set you free he wants to make you a new creation he wants to give you eternal life god never lies his promises will come true the bible says that living without christ is like living in death whoever has the son has life and whoever does not have the son does not have life so if you have never believed in the death and resurrection of jesus christ this evening is your evening and this is what god commands you to do not i God invites you to humble yourself. And he asks you to make a U-turn and believe. Is that too hard? God says, "Believe and turn from yourself and start believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your self-effort, your good works, they will not save you. They are like striving after the wind." The Bible says, "If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved friend are you saved don't go home without Jesus will you call on him your life will never be the same let's pray let us ask God Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and ask him. And pray this prayer if you want to believe in this Lord Jesus Christ. Christ alone can save. And he alone will fulfill his promise. Pray this prayer if you desire to believe in him for eternal life. Jesus Christ, I confess I am a sinner. I have not followed your ways. My choices, my preferences are not according to your ways. Forgive me of my sin. I thank you. You're a wonderful savior. Give me new life. I believe in my heart that you have been raised from the dead. I believe that you have died for my sin. Come into my heart, change my heart, and give me this new life. In your name I pray. 